Hello and welcome to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, your host Liam Caswell. Join me as we lean in, get curious and take strategic and meaningful action to build our high performance nursing careers. Hello and welcome to this episode of High Performance Nursing. I'm so pleased that you are here and listening with us today. Today we have a special guest from the other side of Australia, I think, um, in comparison to me in Sydney. We've got Sanara Mazoway. Hello, Sanara. Hi, Liam. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. So let me tell you a little bit about Sanara. So Sanara has been a registered nurse for eight years, working through the private and the public sector across in Western Australia. That's why I said it's a bit further away <laughs> for our internationals. It's not just down the road. Um, and then most recently, you've started up Health Insight HQ. So I'd love to unpack some of that. Yeah, um, Obviously, Working as a registered nurse for the last eight years in Western Australia, Perth. Are you in Perth? Yeah, yep, Perth. yeah I'm just like south of Perth, but yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful spot. If you haven't been to Perth, go to Perth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> working in Perth, tell us about your eight-year career kind of history so far. Uh, so I did a graduate program at a private hospital. Um, so I kind of moved around in two medical, two surgical on the wards. Um, after that, I was on a gynae colorectal ward for a while. Um, so that was all the like gory bits mm. <laughs> together, <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> Lord, together. good stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then from there, I went and did a novice program in anesthetics. Um, and to be honest, I never even knew a nurse could be an anesthetics nurse. Um, so I kind of threw myself in the deep end. Um, that was really fun. I was, did that for a couple of years and then I went into recovery Um, And that was probably like my favourite. It was kind of like a mashup of all my skills in one place. And then from there, I got offered a job as a lecturer. So I went and did that um, for, I think I was there about four years. And then, yeah, then I got this idea that maybe I'll start up my own business. Love that. I love that. Don't you just love how um, diverse a nursing career is? I think like you just touched on it there, anesthetics, like who knew? And there's stuff every day that I come across and I'm like, oh, there's a nurse that does that. <laughs> yeah. And like, I was just like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I signed up for it and I was like, what does the anesthetic nurse do? And then they're like, oh, you work with the anesthetist. So I'm like, oh, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And it's a really highly valuable role and a dangerous role as well. Yeah. Great yeah. skills for airway. Like yeah. it definitely made me confident in airway. <laughs> mm. So let's unpack your your journey, if we can, um, <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people, you know, get very caught up in the graduate years uh, here mm-hmm. in Australia. It's something that I've noticed since I've been here. Um, yeah. And a lot of people put pressure on themselves to get these graduate programs. And I understand it because it is ultimately the pinnacle of you know, your career uh, yeah. when you finish up. But you went into the private system, right? So yeah. you went into the private sector. Uh, talk to me about that. Like, talk to me about that process, like public versus private. 
So here we have um, Grad Connect in WA, which is like the government process. Um, sometimes the private hospitals do join in on that, but not all the time. So when I applied, they weren't a part of Grad Connect. Mm. So I kind of applied for the private hospitals as like a plan B backup. Um, and I just happened to get in. So yeah, um, yeah, but it was still like a graduate program. Um, but just set up differently. So they mm. did four rotations, which I think some of the public only do two rotations in the year. So right. yeah. yeah, slightly different. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people will, you know, one, they'll just put all their eggs into one basket and they'll just mm. go public. Um, yeah. which is risky. <laughs> and I think, you know, in this day and age, <laughs> you should probably put your eggs in all the baskets. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people might not, you know, want to lend themselves towards a private. So did you feel disadvantaged? Like, you know, this is a silly question. I know the answer to it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask you, did you feel disadvantaged, <laughs> okay. um, you know, being in the private versus the public? Or like when you're talking to your peers and they're saying, oh, I'm in the public, was there any difference? No, like some of my peers um, who were doing like ICU or ED in like a public hospital, I guess they felt like it might have been like better. Um, mm. But to be honest, like I moved around in the pro- private hospital so easily. Like yeah. I could go anywhere in there. The opportunities were huge. Um, the education was there. So I don't think I was disadvantaged. But obviously there is differences. Like private is a business. So mm. I think that's the part um, people struggle with. It's kind of got like that hotel vibe as in like you get the footy stars and you get yeah. those type of people coming in. So I guess like pros and cons, but yeah, yeah I don't mm. think it was a disadvantage. Mm. Um, and I don't want people to feel like public or private is better because to be honest, they're just different experiences. Yeah. It's so good to dispel that myth because it does come up a lot. And you know, I, we both work with graduates and both work with undergraduate yeah. nurses coming into the workforce. And a lot of people will say to me, I'm not sure about applying for private or, or vice versa. I want to go to private because it's usually they might be a bit smaller and they're Mm -hmm. a bit more welcoming and they've got like a better kind of community vibe within the hospital versus the big tertiary referral that like no one knows each other when they walk through the corridors. Yeah. So I think it's, it's good to dispel that myth. Um, So thank you for doing that. That's okay. Um, Apply public private guys anywhere you can go. Lots of great opportunities. So you then moved into anesthetics and recovery um tell people kind of you we've already touched on a little bit but tell people kind of what you do in anesthetics as an anesthetic so as an anesthetic nurse you're actually kind of in control of like the theater so actually checking in the patient bringing the patient into theater making sure theater is set up for the patient and then helping the anesthetist to put them to sleep um, and then helping them wake up. But you're kind of like integral to the team because Scrub Scout and everyone are kind of relying on you to keep the flow. And mm. I guess in private, that flow is quite important because you've got a certain amount of people to get through in the day compared to public where I find the list might be a bit lower. Um, but yeah, you're really quite vital because if something's wrong with the airway, then you have to be right there being able to assist the anaesthetist and you just never know. Um, whether something might go wrong. There's been heaps of times you put someone to sleep and next minute, you know, you've got no airway or there's a reaction. So, yeah, quite an interesting role to think about. This, I guess that's one of the reasons why anesthetists are paid some of the highest salaries mm-hmm. in the country because <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people will have, a bit of, have a bit of a giggle and they say, well, what does anesthetics do, you know? But it's, it's the first step 
in the puzzle piece and, and you've got to make sure that you get that right <laughs> otherwise there uh, ain't no total hip replacement happening today <laughs> no and like all those things like people eating chewing gum uh, making sure they got their jewelry off like just all those little things when you go through the checklist making sure yeah. you have the right patient is a big mm-hmm. one <laughs> right, right patient rights procedure also a bit, a bit this comes up a lot um teeth dentures yes oh lost dentures lost glasses hearing aids all the of those things that forget to tell you that they're wearing dentures you know little joke and little story here i put somebody on bipap once and they forgot to tell me that they had dentures in. and of course oh. i didn't check and uh yeah they had like dentures they couldn't breathe <laughs> they were like I can't breathe and I'm like I don't understand like I was thinking that it's just the BiPAP yeah and, uh, you know, like two seconds later I'm looking in I'm like you didn't tell me <laughs> your dentures are, they're loose and they've come out and they went to the back of the airway like back sucked in the in. <laughs> oh my goodness so mm. always check your patient's airway before you do anything that's why it's at the start of your energy okay <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So anesthetics, um, high risk, I guess, high pace job. And then you moved yeah. into recovery. Yeah. Um, and you talked about it kind of being an, an area where you can use all of your skills. So what does that shift look like in recovery? Um, it's different. And there's like heaps of different hours. So sometimes you can come in for four hours or 10 hours or eight hours. And like you might start at 1030 or 730 or do an afternoon. Um, but every like you have a patient for 20 minutes roughly mm. so that's the goal is 20 minutes sometimes How longer nice i know like and then half the time they're asleep with a tube in their mouth for a little <laughs> bit so they're pretty quiet and then they might have pain give them some drugs and then say bye mm. um, but the variety is huge so we had like ortho and you had gynae like you just had every sort of different surgery coming through so it was just different every 20 minutes you got something new yeah so what makes a good kind of all-round anesthetic recovery theater nurse like if somebody's thinking of applying for one of those programs as a graduate like periob um, or even just transitioning what do you think a good like a high performing theater nurse looks like I think you've got to be adaptable um, because things change all the time whether no matter where you are in theater um, got to be able to take on the pressure because some days or some moments it is quite high pressure. Um, so you've got to be able to do that and probably be a good communicator because mm. um, regardless of what area you're in, you're communicating with either the ward nurse or your co- or maybe the doctor or the scout nurse. So you're all kind of in that team. So if you can't communicate, then it's going to be really difficult. And I guess it's such a, it has to be a high performing environment because you, the stakes are so high. Um, yeah. And not only that, it is so reliant on everybody playing their part. Uh, you know, yes, you could say that's across healthcare, but when somebody is <laughs> under anesthetic and they're yep. on the table, you know, everybody needs to play their part and contribute. And that can be challenges, challenging as well if you don't have that kind of safe working environment with the team, right? So I guess there's a lot of very yeah. close working collaboration mm-hmm. um, and camaraderie as well. I know that in theatre, people love to mm-hmm. kind of really get to know each other and, and you need to be able to do that so you can challenge things um, that might potentially come up. 
I think what's interesting is that discovering what people actually talk about while patients are asleep. <laughs> like, I don't know what I thought was going to happen when I started, but it was like, you know, people are talking about, you know, traveling or languages or jokes and some of them play word games. So like the whole team will have like a word game on a, on a whiteboard going oh, um, wow. or music. And yeah. So when I first started, I was actually surprised. I was like, oh, this is what happens when people are sleeping. Like, I don't know what I thought, like, were the staff going to be sleeping too? Like, <laughs> I wonder if there's a correlation between what happened happens in the room and what the patient can hear when they wake yeah. up and they're disorientated <laughs> and they're like am I in Spain <laughs> oh well there you go there's a good research project for somebody to do yeah. <laughs> um, investigate the impact of what happens in the operating theater um, <laughs> yeah. but such a such an interesting environment for people to move into and I know a lot of people are drawn towards that uh, that environment because you, it's one of the few areas actually that you kind of get to rotate around different clinical specialties um, and get to experience and develop as a clinician. Yeah, especially in recovery, like the amount of different specialties coming through, like you kind of you have to feel confident to just get muck in really, like and ask questions if you don't know. Like there's not enough time for you to kind of doubt yourself or not ask if you're not sure because mm. you know that 20 minutes flies by or that person could you know, get really sick and need to go to ICU if you're not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of people that listen that, you know, might potentially want to pivot and move, you know, maybe they're in aged care, maybe they're in medicine um, or ICU. How do they get into, what would you say um, is it like the best way to approach getting into theatre? Um, I would say go down and have a chat to managers like if you can um, look out for novice programs because a lot of I've seen a lot of the private hospitals do novice programs where they'll teach you for three months and you get study and everything Mm -hmm. there's a really good company um, called Anis it's like Anisys Assist Um, they're on like Facebook and stuff but they do professional development um, on Periop So Mm -hmm. I usually suggest to my students and stuff to check that out because they do, they've actually started doing webinars since COVID, um, but they cover like Scrub Scout, um, they cover like airway, they cover recovery, emergencies, even day surgery. Mm -hmm. And like even day surgery is a great way to kind of get yourself in without it being too scary. Um, So yeah, awesome service. So you can always Mm -hmm. do some professional development and kind of, yes. Start putting your network and your feelers out and yeah, hope the best. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, We might, we'll drop that link into the. the Yeah, I can send it to you later if you like for the notes because yeah, Yeah. they're really good. I've done a few of their little courses and yeah, they're great. That's fab because I think a lot of people, you know, when they're moving in nursing, I think a lot of people think that they need to do a postgrad or, Mm. you know, (laughs) I need to get a master's before I can move into a specialty and I need to know everything before I get there. And it couldn't be further from the truth really in my experience is that the same with you yeah like I don't have a postgrad in anesthetics um I don't have a postgrad in recovery and like I know people even look at postgrads and then it says you have to be working in the area for so many years to even do the postgrad but no like as you have to put yourself out there and um do a little bit of professional development yourself um mm. and I think you know ask questions and you know even talk to the anesthetists or the doctors because some of them have taught me amazing things yeah. um some of them let me put in LMAs and you know stuff like that that you would never get to do but you have to ask you have to show that you're interested mm. it's an amazing environment for that interdisciplinary learning yeah. uh, and like you say where would you get access for maybe eight hours to a, to a surgeon or neurosurgeon mm-hmm. or whoever you're working with 
to yeah. um i was gonna say pick their brains but that would be too literal <laughs> as a neurosurgeon well maybe if you're in neuro <laughs> <laughs> oh my god liam stop um <laughs> so you then moved on to lecturing yeah. Uh, and I'm really interested to find out about that and and how that kind of came about because that's a big job lecturing. Uh, I'd yeah. love to know what, what you, uh, so, how you find that. So with um, when I was in recovery, I was actually helping out with graduates. So I've always just been someone who somehow ends up with teaching. Um, I don't mean to, but I just do. <laughs> I don't know, maybe the gift of the gab. But <laughs> I was helping out with the grads and the clinical educator said to me, you need to go and do your training and assessment, like set four. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't know if that's what I want to do. And they're like, just go and do it. So I went and did it. Um, and in the meantime, I was doing volunteer talks at TAFE. So I grew up with a disabled sister mm. and I was working for a quad guy who um, needed lip reading. So we would do talks at TAFE. So he would tell his story and I would lip read. And then I would talk about being a sibling. And oh, wow. um, I did that for a few years. And then they said to me, oh, we need a new lecturer. And I was like, oh, that's nice. They're like, it's you. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know about that. Like I can talk. <laughs> But I don't know if I could talk that well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I just took it on casually um, and thought I'd give it a go. I think the like is very overwhelming when you get in front of like a group of like 30 people and they're mm. all looking at you, you know, you've got eight hours with them and you're like, oh, wow, now what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm the lecturer, am I? Yeah. Oh, hi. <laughs> got to do something. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's full on. That is full on. And, you know, you picked, you mentioned your cert four there, um, yeah. a great qualification for anybody that's listening to, to jump on and get within the nursing field or any kind of health field. It's just opened so many doors like that qual has just been endless. Mm, it pays itself back. You know, a lot of people will say to me, I've got a friend today actually messaged me. She said, Oh, do you think I should do it? I said, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it'll cost you a couple of grand. Uh, you top it up every three years when they change like yeah. a tiny little segment of the frigging course and um, <laughs> and you you know you've got it pretty much for life uh, and obviously it's got you into a great opportunity I also wanted yeah. to pick up on the fact that you got that through basically volunteering and yeah. volunteering. yeah like I try and say to like some people that I help like you know if you're really stuck go and volunteer somewhere and then I still volunteer to this day doing random mm. stuff and people are like why do you do that like you know you're already done your placements your placements were for free like why are you doing more but honestly I've landed in the most randomest places just from volunteering and networking mm. yeah I couldn't agree more I, I think um volunteering and also just reaching out like you just never know. You just might land in somebody's inbox at the right time. Yeah. Uh, and that's happened for me when I've just been like, oh, I need a break from what I'm doing currently. And I send an email, just willy nilly wake up in the morning and I go, sure, I'm going to send this email today. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the day, I've got a different opportunity or having a different conversation with a different manager. So yeah. it pays to network, definitely. So the lecturing, I guess, um, we probably have some students listening. Do you have any yeah. tips for nursing <laughs> students? Because <laughs> I've got a few. <laughs> um, I think sometimes it's also like just being honest and like asking for help. Like mm. so many times students just leave it and leave it. And then, you know, you get towards assessments being due and they're like, oh, I'm stuck or I can't get my work done. And you're a bit like, well, tell me earlier. Like mm. the role of the lecturer is to help yeah. like from the get-go. So it's like, just say you need it if you do need it. Mm. Um, don't leave it to last minute. 
Um, but I also like have fun. Like sometimes my students come in, they're so serious and I'm like, we're here to have fun too. Like, yeah. you know, you're going to spend so much of your time studying, try and enjoy it. I say that all the time to people. I say, do you know what? If I could turn back the clock, I would, because you don't realize that at the time, but you're studying your studies, your placements, the best time. <laughs> because yeah. when you when you get your APRA registration and you're on the floor, that's when the shit hits the fan and you've <laughs> got to do the real work. And it's no longer, it can still be fun, but you know, you've got to be serious and, and responsible and and do the right thing so yeah that would be my top tip is like you Janet like yourself just have fun with it enjoy it be curious um, and and explore it's the best time to unpack what it is that you might potentially want to do mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people get to a point where they get to the end of the degree and they're like oh my goodness I still don't know what I want to do and I think the system almost puts a bit of pressure on us um, to have that kind of like dream job, that dream destination. Uh, yeah. I certainly come across that a lot when I'm working with you know, undergraduates or nurses, even even you know, established nurses that are like 10 years down the track. And they say, I oh, still don't know. Like, that's me. I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> and that's fine. Right. Do you come across that a lot? Yeah. And like people feel like they have to have it all planned out. Like, you know, sometimes I'll meet a student like, oh, I have to be in ICU. And like, to be honest, like when I think back, I think, oh, I might have liked to have been in ICU and I never planned to be in urology or gynae or in anesthetics or be a lecturer. Like none of it was a plan, Mm. but maybe sometimes it's better to go without a plan and say, you know, just be in it be involved, Mm. be present in it and enjoy and get what you can from it because everything will add into something else later. Definitely. I think that resonates with me because I was kind of the opposite where I did have a bit of a plan, but it didn't work. Oh, no. (laughs) Like it worked to an extent, but I got to that point, like went from medicine into ICU and then I loved ICU. But then I just was like, oh, if I stay on this track, I'm going to have to do another 10 because in the UK, it's really slow moving. So, you know, in 10 years, maybe I'll be the senior nurse, like maybe. And so then I had to make a decision at that point to pivot. And then from there, like it's been so random. Yeah. Like a lot of it hasn't really been intentional and I've just really gone where the opportunities have been. Um, And I think it's a really good learning uh, to, to just go with the flow. And nursing is so varied that you'll, you you just don't know where you'll end up. And usually on this podcast, when I talk to people and ask them, they're like, yeah, I didn't think I'd be here. You yeah, know? Not- if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I don't think I would be here. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. And you know, that obviously leads nicely into setting up a business and nursepreneurship yeah. and, and setting up Health Insight HQ. So tell us about that. By the way, I love the name oh. um, and I'm <laughs> jealous of your name because I'm like, oh my goodness, I hate, I'm so indecisive. Yeah. <laughs> I really struggle with picking a name because like, I, I don't know, I'm one of those people that delve into too many things at once. And like some of my friends are like, Sonara, just take a break. Like, because, <laughs> and I wanted a name that kind of covered everything mm. um so I was kind of like oh well at least if it's health insight then it could be you know any side of yeah. health 
Yeah. But setting up a business kind of came left of field. Um, I was kind of helping grads and doing things. And then I wasn't really happy with where I was working. Mm. And my husband's like, we have a business for my husband as well. And then he was like, oh, you know, just set up your own business and do what you want to do. And I was like, oh, no, like, what if it fails? Or what <laughs> if I don't have any money? Or, you know, like, no, like, I've always had a job. Um, so, yeah, I was just like, oh, well, I'll just yeah, give it a go. And mm. yeah, then you come across things like insurance and picking a business name. And do you want a company? Like, <laughs> it's just so it's many so things much. to think about. No one, there's no one in nursing in anywhere in my education that said, oh, this is how you can set up a business. Or as a nurse, you could actually have a business. Mm. It's just never was something that was ever talked about or sold. No, um, no, not whatsoever. at all. It's, it's really interesting because I think, um, I don't know about you, but when I was looking around and like yourself, I was Mm -hmm. thinking, oh, what can I do to help people? And how does that look? Yeah. It's really hard to find people in healthcare that are doing that um, other than GPs and, you know, but they're all tried and tested. Um, And there's not a lot of nursing specific support or like business coaching or like this is step one and this is step two. (laughs) So it's a really interesting journey to go on. Um, and, you know, picking a name is bloody difficult. It really yeah. is hard. Uh, and like like you mentioned, I very much resonate with that, like being a multi-passionate. So yeah. it sounds like you're very much like me, <laughs> that you today have 500 ideas and you want to execute mm-hmm. them all right now. Yeah. And uh, that can be challenging to rein in when you're doing a business because all of a sudden, what you didn't think, think was possible, now everything is possible. Yeah. Um, and that's like all encompassing very stressful at the same time as being very <laughs> positive. So um, tell us about what Health Insight HQ does. Like, what do you offer currently? So the part that um, is kind of on Instagram and advertised is with students, nurses and with grads. So for ages, I was helping students and grads to set up their applications, apply for jobs, prep for interviews, um so that's kind of like that part of it but I also do some tutoring um for people that are studying some people with disabilities Mm. um who are trying to do like studies at uni but struggling with like organization um but yeah I don't know like it's such a wide thing like I've tried to niche it down for marketing purposes Mm. but I also do um disability consulting um and other things as well so I am a bit like as you said got 400 different ideas and different things that I'm dipping into when I probably need to take a step back and try and just stick to one but Mm. I don't know like it's interesting and I love that some people come to me and they're like oh you know I'm struggling with medication calcs I'm like right let's get on to that let's sort that out Mm. or I'm struggling with getting a job okay cool let's sort that out like it's I'm just one of those people where you know if someone's struggling in nursing or wants to be in nursing like let's let's solve it let's find a way and I think that's really what health insight is is just provide providing that insight and that knowledge to help them to find their journey. Mm, I love that. There's, there's so much in there because I agree. It's so rewarding, you know, to, yeah. to be the nurse that helps the nurse. Like yeah. I find that really, you know, um, like, you know, people say to me, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a nurse that helps nurses now. Yeah. I'm um, because I don't really want to help people at the moment like that's my thing I want to you know just to be honest I want to help nurses thrive because I can see that like yourself there's a huge gap there right because we're churning out thousands of grads 
Yeah. And they're getting a little bit of training, but not enough. And it's maybe not relevant. It's maybe not uh, at industry standards. Yeah. Um, so that's such a valuable thing that you're doing for people. And it's so needed. Um, I wanted to pick up on the fact that you talked about, just because it might be people here listening about talking, thinking about setting up a business, yeah. niching down, because yeah. for those that are listening, it's about picking one thing and, you know, I, the business world says pick one thing and do it really well. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to have one message and one story and blah, blah, blah. But it's mm-hmm. so hard because nurses don't, it's, there's not a one size fits all. No. And I really like struggle with that because I even got like a business coach for myself because I 100% believe that you need to be constantly learning. And I was like, I haven't done business before or like not as like a nurse entrepreneur, um, more in a different style. So I was like, okay, let's go and learn about it. And they always say like, you need a niche down and pick your market. So I was like, oh, how am I going to do that? Because health insight was never a niche market. It was, Mm. you know, how can I help everyone? You know, I don't mm. care. I've got all these different skills. Um, how can I help everyone who needs it? Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's been really difficult to kind of work out, you know, do you say in your niche or do you market for more? Or And I've actually split some of my identities up and brought some business names to try and niche mm. it down in separate marketing areas, yeah. which has been really, really hard. It's so <laughs> challenging and it's such a different skill set. But I think the beauty of nursing is that it does equip you. A lot of people on the floor think, oh, you know, we get that whole, I'm just a nurse, which should be banned for anybody yeah, to say that because we are multi-skilled. And although you might not think it, you know, those de-escalation skills, those comfort skills and negotiation, like it's mm-hmm. all transferable. And I find working in the space that we do, where we work with people who are coming into the workforce, but we're also helping them to, you know, sell and brand themselves and market themselves Mm -hmm. to the market, their job market. Uh, A lot of people feel quite stuck, Um, maybe less so as grads, but I work with a lot of people that are, are, you know, a bit further into the nursing career. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how can I get out of clinical? Do you know, because they've had enough. Education is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Like even people come up and like, even the training and assessment call sometimes ask for like a mentor. So like, mm. even if you want to do the course, you need someone who has the certificate to be your mentor. Mm. And it's like, well, where do you find that person who's yeah. going to also have the time to come and watch you, um, you know, do your practice, your presentations or come to the hospital you work out to watch. Like the whole process is just daunting. Um, mm. And mm. I think, you know, like if you can kind of help someone in a minor way with that, then why not? Mm, definitely. So many options out there. So in terms of Health Insight HQ, what are some of the things that have been like, you know, amazing things that you've learned or like just really new things that like first and foremost, you were like, oh my goodness, this is mammoth. And now you're like, oh, I've got it. Like it's done and you've got it <laughs> in the park in terms of the business setup. Um, I don't know. I think it's just trying to make it like, like you want it to be professional but you want it to be like friendly and approachable. Um, And then you're trying to work out like pricing and, you know, like I know students and grads don't always have lots of money, but then when you add up all your insurances and add up all the other stuff that you have, you're like, Oh, I can't really charge like $20 because I'm not going to be able to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. But it's just been so many things along the way where it's just, you know, you're just trying to put it all together. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when really that behind the scenes stuff isn't what, your customers see either. There's um, so much so, of it. Yeah. 
<laughs> like they're just seeing that face value yeah. of you and that time that they're getting with you, um, but they're not seeing the rest of it. So I think like, I think in my journey, that's the part that I've kind of getting to now where I've kind of got the behind the scenes a bit more together yeah. um, and a process a bit better because you don't want to come across as like someone who's messy and like all over the place because mm-hmm. why would you want to pay someone if they come across that way? Yeah, um, but absolutely. So hard. <laughs> oh, it is. It's hard work, but it, it is rewarding. And, you know, it's rewarding. It's hard. I, but the growth is just phenomenal. And to be the creator of your own, I don't think we talk about money enough in nursing. Yeah. Um, you know, to be the creator of your own wealth, your own happiness, mm-hmm. your own legacy uh, is so motivational. Uh, the pricing thing is interesting because I have thought about this a lot. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of people that say it's too much money. And, yep. you know, at the end of the day, uh, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> return on investment. return on investment you know my master's cost me 20 grand like the return on investment for me was to get a promotion and I got paid 20 grand more um and you just got to look at a bigger picture right and for the graduates return on investment is 70 grand yeah like it's phenomenal uh you are you it's just worth you know every penny wherever you go obviously go to a nurse career coach and a nurse health health insight (laughs) hq don't go to those nasty um the random ones the generic ones (laughs) we were talking earlier about the fact that you can get a generic cover letter and maybe even a generic cv um yeah don't do that don't go to those Look, if you're looking for a quick fix and you're looking for somebody to write it for you and you need to get it done, go to them, sure. And it will fill the gap. But you seriously need to invest in developing the skill set because this is a skill for life. Well, you're going to just use, like people forget that you're going to be applying for jobs for the next 30, 40 years. Like it doesn't matter, even if you're not a nurse anymore and you Mm. go and change careers, like no matter what, you're going to need a job. Mm. So these skills, if you can learn how to do it yourself, one, when you go to interview, you're actually going to know what you're talking about. Like, you know what's written in there because <laughs> you mm, read it. Mm. And two, when you do another job application, you're not going to need to pay someone because you're going to be able to do that yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just so valuable. It's like life skills. Mm, mm. And that's the thing. Like, we're both um, kind of, in a way, putting ourselves out of business because we're equipping mm-hmm. people with the skill and saying, you yeah. don't need to come back. Like, yeah. you should be able to get everything from this and move forward with your career and nail it every time yeah like I actually can't believe I have a business doing it like Mm. in my opinion it shouldn't be necessary because Mm. you know unis and tastes and stuff should be teaching their students and helping them to get jobs like that should be part of the bundle but it's not so I mean one day if I was out of that service then so be it I'd be stoked Mm. for everyone else because you know at the end of the day I just want nurses to find the jobs and be nurses and love it yeah. I mean, I got to do that. I want everyone to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a stressful time for people when they're applying. Mm. So let's dive in. Let's talk about applications because I think this yeah. will be super valuable. So when we're looking at CVs across in Western Australia, is there a lot of cover letters or selection criteria? Yeah. Yep. Yep. The, all three. <laughs> the works. Yeah. I, the works. <laughs> I, think, I think I'll be happy when uh, we move to video. recruitment I think video recruitment will transform healthcare recruitment because I I don't think that healthcare professionals should be recruited just off an an application might be a bit controversial because at the end of the day I want to see as a manager that you can converse and Mm -hmm. that you've got good rapport and that the minute that I see you you're warm kind gentle you know yeah it's it's a 
it's a person people focused job so a bit of paper doesn't really give us that um but it's what we have at the moment so um cv what are some of the common problems with cvs that you see um sometimes it's like presentation so like if you haven't got like a consistent presentation um sometimes that's just off-putting in itself or maybe um it's a bit of a mess or you haven't got things put in the right area um just some of those minor things make such a big difference like just straight off the bat if you've Mm -hmm. only got that you know five or ten seconds to look at it well you've already looked at it and you haven't even read anything because you're distracted yeah yeah that's such a valid point i think it's yeah like seven seconds 7.4 something ridiculous yeah something like like that. that yeah but um you know, I always say to people, we like pretty things. Okay. <laughs> like you're going to buy the pretty looking car versus the old, you know, thing that's ch- chatting down the road. So, you know, we want to make sure that it's aesthetically pleasing. I think there's lots of things like with a CV, people forget to think about like their own strengths. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has different strengths. You have different things that make you better than others. And sometimes like people will put like their job at KFC or they'll put something random up first. And I might like, pick something that makes you shine. Like you want to, you want your CV to show your strengths. So put all of that stuff first and then work your way down, you know, and show the other stuff off. But sometimes people just, yeah, they kind of throw things in there randomly. Mm. And then I say to them, why have you picked this order? Or, you know, why why is that in there? Or why haven't you not got that in? Or they just, you know, use the CV from when, you know, they got their job at Subway when they were 15. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it needs to evolve a little bit from that. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a good point that you do bring up, you know, that reverse chronological order mm-hmm. is super important. And people often will uh, dismiss things that are really, really valuable to themselves. Mm -hmm. So like you say, a lot of um, uh, the people that I work with will say, oh, but I worked at KFC. It's not really important. And I'm like, "Uh, so what did you achieve working there? Mm -hmm. And they're like, "Uh," and it takes them five minutes. And then they say, oh, well, customer service. I say, yeah, nursing is customer service. Customer service, yeah. You know, or conflict, like I'm like on a Saturday night when somebody wants, the, you know, <laughs> chicken wings. I'm sure they get a bit antsy with you when they're a bit drunk. At, oh yeah, conflict and de-escalation, great. Perfect. So you know, people that are listening, those things are important, and even more so if you've done a bachelor's of something before you've come to it. Even yeah. I had somebody recently that did a bachelor's of media and film. Super Amazing. important. Do you yeah. know, like talk about the transferable skills from that degree into this, even if it's just life experience and meeting different people and working in different environments, super, yeah. super valuable. So in terms of cover letter and selection criteria, what would be some of your top tips for people that are, are compiling those? So aesthetics is one of them again, isn't it? Making yeah, sure definitely. it looks good and Make it's sure professional. Good. I think people need to keep in mind that the three documents kind of are a package. So um, a lot of people I find in their cover letter, they've poured their heart and soul into their cover letter, like everything's written in there. And then I always say to them, like, if I was going to read your cover letter, what will I learn when I read your CV next? Because if you've told me everything in your cover letter, I'm not going to learn anything new and then I'm going to get bored. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's kind of remembering to, you know, make sure that they're kind of flowing together and that they're a package. Yeah. The other tip is to read that JDF, the job description. Like sometimes <laughs> when you go onto that job application and you're doing that scroll and you're just finding the selection criteria questions and you scroll past all of that stuff <laughs> above, go back and read it 
because it's vital. Like it's Mm going to tell you what they want, what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I could not agree more. Package up your application and that job description. I can tell you as a manager who bloody writes them that uh, (laughs) I don't love writing them, but it's important because I often say to people, what is in there is going to formulate your interview questions. So you can get a bit of an insight into what's coming. Yeah, you can't fully prepare, but you can at least have an inkling. Um, And I say to people, highlight the hell out of that document Mm -hmm. and find all the buzzwords, keywords and start scattering them through your your application. Because um, I don't think that applicant tracking systems are a thing here. Um, no, nursing, not that I've seen. Which is a good thing because I don't think yeah. we've got many nurses <laughs> in the profession. Um, for those listening up, like ATS systems basically just are like machines that you put your, your CV through and it picks up on buzzwords. And if you don't have the buzzwords from the position description or the job description, you're straight in the no pile. So yeah. we're extremely lucky that we don't have that. Uh, mind you, it would be highly beneficial <laughs> to have mm-hmm. that as, a, as an employer because we spend a lot of time. Um, so I guess it's it's people need to realize when they're applying for jobs that you need to make it uh, very readable. It needs to be really clean for the yeah. individual that's picking it up. Because like you say, not only do we want it to look pretty, but we now skim. Like mm-hmm. when was the last time you read something like word for word? Oh, rarely. Like maybe when I review someone's selection criteria, right, or like exactly. when I'm coaching. <laughs> and that's it. Like every other time we just skim over something and we just jump to the, the crux of it and, and get straight to the point. So um, guess what? They do that in the CV selection criteria <laughs> review as well. They'll just scan it for those words. So um, great tips there. Now, in terms of interview, um, yeah. is there anything that you want to share with people around interview? Um, I think like it's preparing, like if you don't do some sort of preparing and you walk in, you're more than likely going to feel nervous. Whereas Mm. if you prepare and do some research, you may feel, I don't know, a little bit confident, um, or at least have something to talk about or ask a question. Um, and I think it's also like even the basics, like making sure that you've thought about what you're going to wear. Um, you know, if you're wanting to become a nurse, then maybe go in looking like you want to be a Mm. nurse. Mm. Um, so yeah, those basic things is just something to start with definitely um you know a lot of people might be on shift I find when they're like got an interview Mm -hmm. and a lot of people will say to me I'm just gonna wear my uniform and it's a funny thing because yes you are a nurse and I think you should you know feel comfortable wearing your uniform but I think it's a mindset thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel like when you go into an interview you want to feel smart it's like going to a wedding, you know, you wouldn't yeah. walk up to a wedding in your scrubs. You'd go dress yeah. beautifully. So you feel really great. And yeah. I think it's important to do that for interviews as well. So if you're on shift and you're going to an interview, <laughs> take a change of clothes. <laughs> but it also surprises the panel. Yeah, because like exactly. I've had a few uh, people do that and I've been on the panel and I go, oh, you were on shift this morning. Like you made a real effort today to do this. Yeah. And they really uh, want it. Like it exactly. shows that you want it. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's awesome. Oh my God. So many good tips for people listening. Um, so tell me what you think about high performance nursing. Um, what, what is high performance nursing to you? What does that mean? Um, I think it's like a nurse who is, you know, confident, um, adaptable, and um, just like able to lead, I guess. I think I just see it as, you know, someone who 
I don't know, I think about some of the nurses that I knew or I used to look up to and you see them just like, you know, you'd hardly see them all shift or they would be there wanting to help you, but they just had everything under control. Yes. Um, and you just looked at them and you're like, geez, wow, how do they just have everything in control? Like they seem so happy and carefree and they're laughing with their patients and they're mm. asking if you need help. So, yeah, I don't know. Like mm. I think it's just, yeah, a mixed bag. It's I love getting nurse. different. Yeah, I love getting yeah. different people's perspective on it because, I think that it's very broad and yeah. it can mean something different in each specialty. So it's interesting to get different specialty perspectives yeah. on it as well. And I think that, you know, we work with a lot of grads. I think a lot of grads think when they first come into the workforce that they're not like a high performer um, yeah. because they're, they're, they're that novice, they're in that novice stage, right? But they um, but they absolutely are, you know, they, they're in that uh, really, really important transition phase in their career where they're coming in and um, consolidating all of that amazing learning that they've had, but also learning all the things that maybe they didn't learn in uni <laughs> from you know, yeah. the most senior nurses uh, within the workforce. Yeah, definitely. I think um, if you can get through your nursing studies, that kind of is high performance. Like mm-hmm. it's a bit of a battle to get through all your studies, your placement, have a life, like the whole lot of it. Like if you make it to the end of that, that's high performance too. Mm, absolutely yeah um what would you say to um, any nurses that are listening just in terms of like career planning and career journeys do you have any tips for people we've kind of given a few throughout this but do you have <laughs> anything extra that you want to add for people that are like oh I don't know where I'm going or I want to do this what would you say to them I think um, just follow your heart, like just follow what you're interested in. Like we get so caught up in what other people think we should do or caught up in, you know, ICU or ED, like all these things, but just go where you want to go. Have a, give it a go and give it a try. And you can always change. Like I always say to people like, you know, you could go and get a job if you don't like it or it's not the right fit for you. Stay there for six months, find another. Like there's always another job, which Mm. I think sometimes grads are a little bit scared about like this, this grad program or this job is this is it like this is what I'm going to be stuck with yeah and I think we're conditioned to think that as well from undergraduate studies and and getting a graduate program um but I think the workforce is changing and I I think the fact that we're going to have you know a potential significant deficit in nursing by 2030 yeah you know the world's your oyster you want to set up a business set up a business um you want to you want to jump specialties 10 times jump specialties uh you can still climb the ladder despite jumping and moving around i think people think they have to start from the bottom but you've already developed so much when you do that right um awesome thank you so much for your time today i'm conscious of time and your time that's Uh, okay (laughs) to chat to you and get to know you a bit better i (laughs) love to ask people just as we kind of wrap up what's something that you need to keep relearning Oh, this one's a bit of a personal one for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can be like a little bit abrupt um, or a little bit blunt sometimes. And um, like I try and be self-conscious about it, mm-hmm. but um, sometimes it gets away from me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, something that I have to always do a little bit of reflection on and check in on myself sometimes and just, you know, remind myself not to do that especially with like Mm. colleagues or with you know students or whatever like I don't mean it in a bad way but I think it's just more like my personality um so it's more just yeah those type of things I think is just checking in and you know looking at yourself and reflecting like Mm. continuously 
it's so good though like to have that level of self-awareness that you, you know you know that it's, it's so funny a lot of people um don't have that a lot of people don't have that and a lot of people will go to that place where you know when maybe they're interview prepping just because that's kind of what we're talking about they are not sure of like their areas for improvement or you know things that they're working yeah. on so that's a great one yeah i love that mm. um i love asking that question because it always gets people going oh and i was like oh <laughs> why that's, are you doing this to me now to be fair that's courtesy of Brene brian who like you know one day maybe we'll come on the podcast lol just never. putting it out there <laughs> i'll manifest it yeah, do performance. it manifest. oh my god i'd be fangirling um, <laughs> well thank you so much for your time where can people find out uh, more about health inside hq so on Instagram, the handle is at Health Insight HQ. Um, we do have a little website and there's all like links in the little link tree links. So you can find us on there. Fabulous. And I'll drop all those links in the notes so people can find you. Um, awesome. Thank you so much for what you do. It's amazing. And uh, I'm so glad that we've connected and that uh, we have a similar mission to help people get out there and get into the workforce uh, because, you know, an application shouldn't be a barrier. No, that's for sure. But thank you Mm. for having me. Um, It was so nice to be invited. Pleasure. My absolute (laughs) pleasure. I'm sure we'll see you on here again at some point. We'll pick (laughs) your brains even further. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I would love if you could leave a review and rate this podcast wherever you listen. Please feel free to tag us on social media and make sure you share it with your nursing peers so they don't miss out on all this goodness. Until next time, my high-performance friends, stay forever curious.